1: Welcome to this week's episode of Home Visit with Tyler Siski and the Associates. Today uh, we have Ross Dellinger, writer for Sports Illustrated, uh, one of the best writers out there. Just really like the way he tells it like it is. Uh, he keeps, he's almost an old school journalist in a new body, uh, one of the young guys, tells things like it is, is very fair. Uh, but he has been all over the NIL and NCAA rule changes. And a guy, and I and I tell him this when you listen, but I'm not a guy that really likes to read a ton of articles, but I will read his stuff every day. Um, it's something that's just uh, reminds me of the past. So if you're anybody 40 or older, you're really going to love this because he is a journalist that tells it like it is. So I know you guys will enjoy that. We discussed the Nick Saban and Jimbo Fisher saga, um, all of the NIL stuff, recruiting, you know, all kinds of stuff going on in college football today, scholarship limitations, all kinds of fun stuff. So. Uh, if you're a junkie of recruiting, this is definitely going to be your episode, so sit back and relax. Enjoy this week's episode of Home Visit. Joined by my man, Ross Dellinger, college football writer for Sports Illustrated and NIL expert now. What do you think about that? Can you get that title? <laughs> uh,
2: sure. It uh, It's kind of enveloped my life, certainly the last few months, but but really going back to almost three years now. So yeah, I guess so. I guess that's uh that's my brand now. NIL, man.
1: I mean, I told I, I, my wife knows this. She actually laughed at me. This ha- actually happened over the weekend. I was reading one of your articles. She goes, what are you reading? Cause I hate reading. I don't, I don't like reading articles or anything else, but I read you. So that's a compliment to you. I did not realize it <laughs> is that if I read it, that means I don't read anything. So I, I really enjoy, uh, really the in depth you actually um i guess what I appreciate about you is that you're you're almost like an old school journalist a little bit where you're also you're well sourced you you tell it like it is um with no agendas uh, which a lot of the guys have and it's it's much appreciated on the on the uh inside of the athletic department just so you know uh, i
2: appreciate it i um i i do i try to be as you know as fair and as as balanced as i can um i think we have too much uh too much partiality in the world already, right? So I'm I'm not trying to pick a side. <laughs> <There you laughs> I'm trying go. to
1: stay down the middle. Stay in the middle. Right. All right. Speaking of picking sides, okay, so we're gonna just jump right into it. Um I have I have to warn the the audience that I have already had a monster today. So I'm gonna be juiced up already. Um I'm in the middle of number two right here. Yeah. Okay, in the middle of number two, but Nick Saban, Jimbo Fisher, the gift that keeps on giving, um, it just kind of hit, kind of really took over. Was that Thursday? I don't even know now. Thursday Mm -hmm. uh, kind of takes over um, the world. And I have received 8,476 text messages, um, lots of tweets. What am I going to say? What am I going to do? So I'm going to let you start off here. Let's talk a little bit about Jimbo and Nick and get your opinion on the entire saga. Yeah, it um, you know it, uh, I kept
2: reading uh, Nick Saban's comments about NIL starting you know late in the fall, and every time he would talk, it would get more and more aggressive, and it was almost like a volcano, and it would just like the first time was a little bubble of lava, and then it got bigger and bigger and bigger, and then he met with like the AP, I believe, met with him back in March, and it was like, oh man, you know you the ground starting to shake, and then boom eruption at an event in uh, Birmingham where he was basically trying to raise money. It's, you know, among business people. And that, and that's how yes. in it, And it's what, right. That's what people probably missed during the whole thing. And I think, and I'm just going to assume this, I think that's probably what he was calling to tell Jimbo and Dion when they didn't answer his call was, Hey, look, I'm just using you guys to try to raise money to try to get into people's mind this is real. and We got to do it or we're going to fall behind. And it, it actually, some of the things i talked to several coaches about one there where you live in Oxford, like he's, he's lane is trying to get people to get boosters on board. Like this is real and going to happen. And so I think that, you know, you saw this eruption partly because of the frustration in Saban and maybe the frustration, not in the, the landscape of what's happening, but the frustration with his own group of boosters and donors and business people trying to get them on board. And that's what it was for me. I think that's what it really boiled down to. Um, Then, you know, Jimbo, Jimbo is Jimbo, right? He's, he's, that's him. He's going to call a press conference, get everybody together and talk 10 miles per hour. And that's that, you know, and and that's what he did. Yeah.
1: All right. So here was, I'm hundred percent on board with you, what you're saying. Um, And I haven't heard anybody really say anything about this. In public, because it was everybody wanted to, you know, anybody that ever has a chance to jump on Nick, they're going to jump on and pile on while they can, right? So it's like, you know, he's been, they've been hammering his ass for like the last week because they I feel like they can. But Nick was at an event trying to raise, like Nick doesn't like NIL, matter of fact. If you poll the coaches, which I'm sure you have, and correct me if I'm wrong here, please, there's not but about a handful of them that really like what's going on with NIL, and the people who like what's going on with NIL have a bunch of money. Yeah. Okay? Mm-hmm. But the ones that don't have the money, they don't like it. Mm-hmm. All right? Yep. So he's – but Nick is going to adapt. People are very, like, think that Alabama's going away or this or that. You're sadly mistaken here. Nick will adapt, and so he's at an event that he's trying to raise money. Because trust me, Nick doesn't want to be speaking to people at Wednesday night in Birmingham in the middle of in the middle of May. That's not his <laughs> right. that's not his cup of tea. He much had rather been on the golf course Wednesday afternoon, I promise you. Okay, so anyway, he's he's using a and what Jackson State was doing as an example to try to motivate the people in the room to, hey, look, this is what these guys are doing, and you see what they're doing. So hey, we got to we gotta come in and, and do this. And I will tell you this, from the inside, my telltale sign was. Nick knew that they finished second in recruiting to Texas A&M, according to everybody. Mm -hmm. And I know you probably know this, but I don't know if the fans realize this. Nick Saban could care less about damn recruiting rankings. Could care less. I mean, legitly could care less about rankings. Hell, he doesn't even, like, the whole time I was with him, he didn't even know what they were. He didn't Mm -hmm. know who was ranked a five-star or whatever, all that stuff. He really had no idea. And that's Mm -hmm. the honest and goodness truth. So for him to say that, he was trying to use that to motivate those people inside the room. Right.
2: Right. Yeah, so, I think that's that's what it really boils down to. And that's I assume that's probably what he was calling to tell them that is and I think and I say that because I think it was Dion who came out in a in a uh, podcast or something and in, in uh, an interview he did after the fact and basically said, We know what he was doing. You know, he was he was trying to uh, rile up his boosters and, and trying to get donations and a lot of people are doing exactly what a lot of coaches are doing exactly what Nick is trying to do. And you nailed it, right? The the people who are most upset about this are the schools that either um, don't have the, the donor base um, to, to do it, to really get in the game seriously or have the donor base, but they won't do it. Right. And, right. Um, and they're trying to get them to do it. And so, yeah, if you, if you don't do it, um, you're, going to fall behind. And I think Nick was trying to get that through to his boosters. Like a lot of coaches are trying to do. They're, they're trying to get uh, through to the boosters. Um, this is, you know, this is a real thing. And if we don't do it, we're going to fall fall behind. And, you know, Alabama, they, they probably have, you know, the, the resources enough to get in the game. Of course, uh, I don't know. And they will tell you people around Alabama would tell you, they don't have the resources that Texas a or Texas have, well, but few does. do, yeah, I mean, few do. I mean, uh, just look at, I was on the phone with an AD in the SEC and trying to explain to the AD um, the the resources that Texas and A&M have. And I did the kind of crunch some numbers in a big NIL. It was in our big NIL store we ran about three weeks ago. But if you combine Texas and A&M, combine their donations to the athletic department from 2019, so a year before the pandemic is the year that I took, it's it's an absurd number. It's like a hundred and ten million dollars. It's like sixty from A and M or sixty from Texas, and then like fifty from A and M. And so, if you combine those two in a sixteen-team SEC, their co- their combination of donations makes up like one fifth of all the donations in the SEC in that twenty nineteen year. So it is they have a lot of money a lot more money than everybody else. And it's easier for boosters to funnel some of that money from facilities and whatever to the athletic department to to players or funnel extra money, new money to players, uh into the NIL salary pool that's starting. So those a lot of schools just don't have that. I don't think Alabama, you know, has that money, but Nick is certainly trying to <clears throat> get boosters to um to dig into their pockets a little more and, and get that money.
1: Yeah, and here here's the thing. It's like, and this is what I've been, because I, I understand it a little bit more than I guess the average fan, obviously. But you take places like, does Alabama have the boosters to to support? Absolutely. Okay. Everybody's like, well, look, we can take Texas and Texas A and M, and you can throw them away because nobody's ever going to be able to compete with that kind of money because they got the oil money, right? That that's what they're dealing with. But these other schools that are being a little slower, they kind of understand. Like Nick, Nick knows that there's no booster going to tell him who he's playing. That's not going to – I mean, the day that happens, Nick will retire. He'll he'll just shoot the deuce and be like, guys, I'm done. All right, but at the same time, he doesn't want to go use a bullet on a kid, you know, paying $10 million for a quarterback, and then all of a sudden the kid doesn't play, then you've lost that money because they don't have as many people that have Mm -hmm. that kind of money, but they do have some. I know them. I know who they Mm -hmm. are. All right. That have more money. I mean, they got a John Ruiz if he wanted to go. And, and they, they have people like that, at Alabama, too, that have plenty of money. OK, because we've used their planes. I've actually had this one of them that's got like diamond mines and coal mines. I, I You know, in Birmingham, that had enough money to buy a strip of land from his golf course to Vestavia so his kids could go to school there. OK, they got they got enough. They got guys that have money that can do that. Right. Um, but he just doesn't want to burn those bullets. And then when it comes and I'll and I'll wrap this part up on, on the Jimbo deal is like Jimbo wasn't lying, okay. And everybody gets mad at Jimbo and mad at what A and M was doing. They, they're it's legal. They're doing what yep. they're allowed to do. There's he's not doing anything illegal. And I think he kind of he's he's fed up with everybody, you know, t- claiming that the only reason that they're you know doing what they're doing is because of money. I think that pisses him off, and he's he's legitimately tired of it. And I think he saw that real quickly. Um, as a shot and he, you know, he did the same thing after signing day, you know, I think with Lane's comments that kinda of spurred yeah. him and you know, um but the people but what is he do let's let's be honest, what's he doing wrong?
2: Yeah, no, I mean, right, he's uh and this is where state law comes in, you know state law, I mean, he's he's following following they're following the law, right? They've they've got I think the big thing when you hear coaches say, um, oh, you know, they're they're cheating, or they're cheating around NIL, they're cheating with NIL or, well, the big thing is, um, is it an inducement? And I, you know, I actually ran a story today. And I mean, we're talking about this on Monday, and we ran a story, dropped a story this morning on Monday morning about, about the enforcement and what's happening right now. And even if, Schools are using an IL for inducements, which of course they are, right? I mean, of course they are, but but it there it's not if you if you can't if the the contract is signed after the kid you know signs or commits and it doesn't connect him to the school, which all these contracts they don't because these are done by savvy businessmen, right? Um, if, if that doesn't happen, you're not breaking any rules. Um, if there's not documentation, the NC is going to have a hard time. Trying to pr- improve, prove that something in
1: inducement. They will, in my opinion, they've been ever since last summer. They're doing everything they can to avoid the courtroom. Everything they can yeah. to avoid the courtroom, and now they're dealing with people that's going to sue their ass back and that have deep pockets. Like yeah. you think, John Ruiz, if they, like John Ruiz, don't be hey, don't sleep with my guy, John Ruiz, down there in Miami, going and, and signing all these long snappers from all over the country. He knows what yeah, he's
2: doing. Yeah, yes. He, he's, yes.
1: He's going so far ahead of y'all. Like, he's playing chess, and everybody else is playing checkers.
2: Mm-hmm. Okay, that
1: You don't become – you know, you and I were talking privately a couple of weeks ago, and I was like, look, you don't make that kind of money in life by being a dumbass. You yeah. don't luck into it. And, I mean, he's a very intelligent, savvy, like you just said, savvy business guy. And he's going sign signing long snappers. Well, hey, look, why? But here's the other thing. Like, he's signing specialists and long snappers. Why? Because he can go give them, give them five bucks, man, and they'll be happy as hell. And then he can go give the real money to these players at Miami. I mean, he, yep. he's not going and taking care of quarterbacks at other places. Why not?
2: Mm-hmm. You know, and, so, he, and he can now say, you know, the NCAA comes in or something. He can now say, see, I'm I'm giving NAA deals to everybody, everybody. you yeah. know? So – it it is. It's smart. And these there's a lot of people like him out there, right? You know, Florida has one. A and M has several. Um, Tennessee has several. You know, big smart businessmen. A lot of them are attorneys themselves. They're <laughs> going to write these contracts, uh, craftily in, in and yeah. where they don't get caught for for inducing prospects. And and that's um, it's going to be hard for the NCAA to prove that. And it's like Ruiz. You know, he strikes me as somebody who's like you know, come on, like, come at me, you know, and I'm oh, yeah. take him. Yeah. I mean, he's ready to, it's almost like he's ready to to take down the
1: NCAA. Yeah. And here's the thing. And everybody wants to talk about, you know, booster involvement and tampering and coaches involvement with the collectives and things like that. And I'm sitting here going, I had this conversation with somebody the other day by Let's just every school, and just so everybody knows this, I always said you got to be very careful. And this was the thing about the the Nick and Jimbo thing that I'm like, listen, guys, everybody has enough dirt on everyone to hit the nuclear button and wipe this sport off the planet. Okay. I got enough dirt. There, There's so, I mean, Nick's got enough dirt on everybody. Jimbo's, if you coach in this league at all or work in this league in any capacity, I would say 90% of the people have enough dirt to make a stink, okay? And right. I'm not saying that, you know, and it's, sometimes it's not even facts. But it's enough smoke where there's fire. And it's, you know, you, it can be as simple as, you know, in recruiting. You'll be recruiting a guy and all of a sudden, you know, it's like, hey, this, this recruit costs X amount of dollars. And you don't get him and he goes to school, he goes to this other school. Well, he, well you knew what his price tag was. So right. he went to the other school. And so you can put two and two together. Didn't say that they paid them or whatever. And then coaches in general by nature, and then especially where I've been in my career, it's like if, if you ever beat somebody on a kid, it's all, y'all cheated. That's yep. everybody wants to say you cheat. That's everybody right. wants to throw out that, that deal, you cheated. But going back to the collectives, every school that has a collective, if your school has a collective, you are cheating. And everybody's like, whoa, 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 what do you mean? Who do you think's telling that collective who to pay? Yeah. Somebody yeah. in the room, mm-hmm. somebody in the yeah. building is instructing, yeah. may not be the head coach. It's plausible deniability. Head coaches aren't going to talk to collectives. There's somebody in your building that goes yeah. and tells the collective that we want this guy. They don't just go and start recruiting on their own. Right,
2: right. right? And I'll, I'll go back to that story, I referenced from a couple of weeks ago. Um, and, you know, these boosters – Look, they don't give. They don't give to you know what's about. <laughs> you can say it. Saying it's, it's whatever. We're, we're good. Yeah, <laughs> two <laughs> shits, right? They don't. They don't give it. They don't. They don't care. Um, and so I was on the phone with, um, uh, I think it's Hugh Hathcock. He's the University of Florida big donor who started their kind of million dollar collective. And uh, I'm, I, I'm, I you know, I'm
1: aware of who he is.
2: Yeah, I he's been in NIL a lot
1: longer than just the last couple of <laughs> years. Go ahead. I'm highly I'm surprised.
2: aware. Uh, I asked him about you know just different questions, and he said, "I'm reading from it now." He said, uh, "We'll listen to what the coaches tell us to do." I just raise the money for them to use. <laughs> he said it on the record. I mean, he said it. I mean, that is just about as blatant as it gets, right? <sighs> I mean, they don't care. Um, they they don't care. Nobody is afraid anymore. They're not afraid of the NCAA anymore enforcement. They're not even afraid of their own state if they violate their own state NIL laws, which most of them say there can't be inducements. um, But they don't even they don't care because what state attorney general's office is going to punish their own state institution and disadvantage them? It doesn't it doesn't make any sense. So
1: there's no enforcement at all. So they don't care. Which brings me to the next topic. And then well, something I want to talk to you about. Is look right now. We can talk about, you know, and I, and I will talk about the other part in a minute, but we can talk about this to a blue in the face about, but just what you just said with the state. Your state laws, your, your state is not, is not going to put the state institutions in a disadvantage. And so you're just going to keep having these states try to one-up each other and make their NIL rules as easy as they can to help their state institutions. Because a lot of times the people that are making the laws are boosters or alumni of a university themselves, okay, so in their state. And so yeah. until we have federal legislation, which is, you know, I'd probably say with midterm elections coming up, we're probably at least a year away from that. Do you agree with yeah. that?
2: Yeah. Um, certainly not going to happen uh, Anytime before this November. year before, before <laughs> November, right. And, in, in, in you know, November is uh, going to be a big deal for college athletics, um, you know, and NIL in a future federal – uh, Let some kind of federal legislation. I think people privately in in college sports would tell you that um, the Republicans taking over the Senate, retaking potentially retaking the Senate, is something that would make it easier um, for NIL to pass. I don't think it's going to be easy at all either way, but but I think it, it would make it easy. They will tell you that it would make it easier to have a Republican committee chair because the Republicans want to. A narrow nil bill they just just want nil covered the democrats want a broad nil bill with revenue sharing health care a lot of things that probably are, it's going to be tougher to get through um so that's why they'll say hey these elections are critical for college sports and getting a federal nil bill as quickly as we can um but either way it's it's going to be hard even even after the elections even if it's a republican chair uh, in Republican Senate, it's it's still going to be difficult to get passed.
1: Do you find it? Because I, I find this terrible. Maybe I'm the only one that thinks like this. I find this terribly interesting. That you know, a couple of weeks ago, when Sankey and the I don't even remember was it was a Pac-12 commissioner went to uh, DC to meet with senators and Congresspeople to uh, talk about NIL legislation and try to get something done. Do you know whose name never comes up in those conversations? Hmm. Why does Tommy Tuberville's name never come up in those conversations? Why isn't he meeting? I mean, the guy was a football coach in the Southeastern Football Conference. Like him and Sankey know each other. He is a sitting – he's a sitting – what's he, a congressman, I guess? Senator. Is he a senator? Senator. He's a sitting senator and a former football coach from the Big 12, SEC, I guess American, whatever, all these leagues. And he never comes up in these conversations. Why Why in the hell would he not?
2: Yeah. Well, so that's a great point. and um, he's been a little quieter about it, right?
3: Yeah.
2: Uh, he a has. Lot I, I a think privately, I yeah, I think privately he's been a little more talkative to people. In fact, there was some NIL folks that came up here in, it was over the winter, December, January, and I went to have dinner with them and they mentioned that they had met with Senator Tuberville like the night before. Yeah. So I think he's meeting with people. It sounds like, uh, he's trying to work things. It sounds like behind the scenes, but he's good at that. um, too. Yeah, he is. Yes, he is. So I, I think he is involved. I just, yeah, he has not been as, as public as, as some others. Um, so it should be interesting, but I think as this goes, he might be more public, but, again, um, it, this leads us to the Republican Democrat thing, right? Um, there's a lot of Republicans that um, know they're not going to want a broad bill that encompasses all this other stuff like revenue sharing and long-term healthcare and such like that. They're going to want a narrow NIL bill. And um, I think a lot of them are almost afraid to speak out uh, because they so- sound like they might be a anti-athlete pay or whatnot, which when he he probably would talk about it with a little truth serum. Tommy Tuberville, I would think, would would tell you that he probably likes college football the way it was a year ago or more, uh, where it was an amateur sport. So there's that too.
1: All right, so I'm gonna uh, I'm I'm I am going i am i am i can not sit here. I, I'm all for the, the kids getting paid. I really am. All right. I think they should get paid. I think it's a great thing. I don't argue with that. It's just it's gotten so out of hand so fast. But at the same time, that's what happens when you don't have a plan. OK, the yeah. ins- it feels like we were ready, fire, aim, you know, this whole deal and, and just didn't think things through. So that's about par for the course. But I guess it, at the same time, and, I, and you and I talked about this probably don't bring this up. So, you know, I've always said that I don't think you can fix NIL until there's some kind of federal, and I don't think it's going away. I think it's going mm-hmm. to be there. There could be some limits. But short of federal, um, federal legislation allowing basically the schools to pay the kids, all right, there's not going to and putting everybody on the same rules. And, and going back to the Jimbo-Nick Nick thing, that's what they want. They just want everybody on the same rules, whatever that is. The transfer portal, and you and I, and, I, and, and everybody, I've always said if you can go back, In the meantime, while we're waiting on this federal legislation that will or will not come, go back and take away the one-time transfer rule. I've been told, not by just you, you did tell me this, and I'll say, you say, you can't do that. That toothpaste is out of the tube. That's what you were telling me. And you're not the only one that's told me that. Several people say, oh, you're not going to be able to go back and fix that. My question is, why not, though? It's not federal legislation. There's no deal on it. Why couldn't they go back and say, take away the one time transfer rule to try to get some curb on the tampering, curb on the recruiting part, getting the kids back to picking schools for what they're for.
2: Yeah. Why couldn't they do that? Yeah, well that would so let's go back to what happened um last summer. Uh right. the Alston case, the Supreme right. Court case where the NCAA lost nine nothing and just got buried. Um Christ. by a by a conservative leaning court uh just got buried. And so I, what the bottom line of the Alston ruling was, from the way I understand it, because I'm definitely not a lawyer, but I've talked to enough <laughs> to understand that. Did that, you stand uh, the Holiday
1: Express last night? Yeah,
2: yeah, you you can't limit or restrict athletes, plain and simple. And so one of the things to appease the court, the NCAA did, and I assume it was partially to appease the court, was before the Supreme Court ruling came out, they lifted the one-time transfer or they lifted the transfer you know, made made transfers immediately eligible. And I one time at least in a career. Um I well, that's think. What I'm saying. That they They're still that, limiting
1: you know? them by saying you only get one time if they were. They the are, which you which see what I'm I'll saying? Get,
2: which I'll get to in a minute. So I think if you it's hard to go back, right? It's hard to go back. So if you go back, you are opening up yourself to all kind of lawsuits. There will be a class action almost immediately. Saying they're you know limiting restricting athletes going back to the Austin case like it'll be immediate like to me that's not happening. There's just no shot. What's gonna happen is it's gonna go forward. It's gonna eventually be instead of one time transfer. It's gonna eventually be unlimited time transfer. That's that is where we're heading is unlimited time transfer because you're gonna have players who are going to be denied by a waiver after they transfer the first time. They're gonna sue. And, you're, and they're probably going to win in court. Like, I think a lot of people would say they would win in court based on the Supreme Court ruling. So, and Todd Berry from the AFC, I said this multiple times. He is telling his coaches, guys, just take it from me. It's going to be a – one. eventually, it's going to be a unlimited time transfer. So, we're going to he- – we're probably heading in the other direction.
1: You're 100% accurate. We're going to talk about this because I was literally getting through this. We're going to talk about this. When we talk about it, uh, doing away with the 25 and going straight to 85 because – Coaches are going to start cutting kids. If they can get eighty-five, just get to eighty-five. They're going to cut kids that can't play, and so they're going to take a transfer guy that can't play, and then they're going to cut him. So the kids are used as a one-time transfer. He's going to file an appeal. Here we go. And as soon as it gets granted the first time, kids going to lawyer up, and here we go. It's the same. It's going to keep tell you the cycle. That's why. That's why I was saying. I mean, you're going to fight litigation regardless, one way or another, right? Yeah. We're going, the NCAA is going to court. It's just a matter of what they're going to court on. That's why I said it's a lot easier to fight that because there are no state laws on that. You are going to fight 50 different lawsuits if you go try to do NIL legislation with the NCAA. Right. So might as well go fight one, you know, and well, so that, that's yeah. the whole deal with the, the transfer portal thing. And, and I don't, it, it's not going to stop NIL. It's just going to eliminate some things. Um I get a kick out of this. We were talking about this morning. We had our staff meeting this morning. We're getting ready to roll. And I was joking, have you, you know, have you noticed all these like uh everybody's releasing their top 5s and their top 8s and their top 12s? Mm-hmm. I it drives me nuts. But it's like a who's every one of these kids that post their their um their top 5s let's say? It's like a who's who of NIL. Okay? It's like releasing my top 5 today. It's Texas. It's Texas A&M. It's Tennessee. It's Oregon, and then on the side it'll be like Nebraska. So you really want to go to Nebraska, but you just you're you're that's where the kid really wants to go. They'll put the school that they really want to go. The one that just doesn't stand out is usually the place yeah. where they really want to go. And then yeah. the other ones are nils of nils. Have you noticed that?
2: Yeah, I I I think
1: um, Miami's in a lot of top fives right now. It's yeah, amazing.
2: that that's right, aren't they? Uh, they are. Um, you know what? I think me and you have talked talked about this when I was visiting. Um when you look at the the yeah, the the, the rankings, let's just go from you, you're talking about player like ranking stuff, but I wanted to go talk about the collective rankings and have you seen <laughs> this and they're coming out now with collective rankings. You told me about and, it and I still hang on Yeah, to yeah And like eight it. of the top ten all fall into the same category. These are teams that have either never won uh consistently or they're like ten to twenty years removed from winning from having consistent winning and championships. They are kind of desperate teams with a lot of resources and Highly fashion, motivated, passionate, passion, yeah, passionate big boosters who man, see the opportunity we can get back in Texas, A&M, Tennessee, Miami, Nebraska, USC. Um, they're all, they're all kind of in the same grouping, right? They are kind of desperate to get back to that level of winning Florida. Um, they're, they're all right there that have not won consistently in 10 plus years or ever and want to get there and have the resources to do it. And that's what's fascinating. And all those teams, getting back to your question, you can find a lot of those teams and a lot of top fives and top tens from players. <laughs> right, They're all right there and they're all right there for a reason. And Lane Kiffin, I mentioned this before we went on, but I sat down with him uh, last week and he just, you know, he said flatly, you know at the elite level, the four and five stars, maybe even the three stars, a hundred percent of them are making their decision based on the highest bidder he said I mean, plain and simple, it's not any it's longer, 100% stadium. Accurate. it's not conference, it's not coaches, it's not the beautiful campus or the city. I mean, some of these kids now he says he said he had two instances of this. one instance was a kid had never visited the campus of the school he signed with he just took to the highest bidder and he said. Another kid never talked to the head coach of the of the school he signed with. It's hard to believe, but he said it's true and he said it's happening a lot. Um and they're just going to the highest bidder.
1: I mean, that's not that's a hundred percent accurate. I know for a hundred percent fact that's happening. So he's not I mean, that's that's true. What he's saying is absolutely true and it's just what I mean what what are we doing? I mean I don't know, but that's the whole point. That right there is what I'm talking about with a one-time transfer. And I was telling right. Neil on his show a couple of weeks ago, the kids are doing this. They're going, okay, who's the highest bidder? Okay, this is how much money you have. Now, I really like this school over here. This is really where I would want to go. Mm-hmm. They just don't have the funds. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to go here and I'm going to get paid. And if it doesn't work out, work out. And then I'm going to go to the school I really want to go to. And, and, and they're, it's like I was joking. It was like kind of having like the cute girl scenario, right? It's like – you know it's like getting a hall pass from your wife or something it's like hey there's this really hot chick right here and if she's she's really crazy and i'm going to go have some fun with her until she drives me crazy and i'm going to go hang out with a cute girl like when you're in high school or something it it's insane what what we're doing um uh, to this game i don't know man but it it's uh, but he's 100% right that's happening yeah. i know for a fact it's happening um it's very disturbing uh that and then It's just a matter of time. I'm surprised we haven't had a story yet. Some kid gets hammered with taxes uh, from these NIL deals. I'm kind of waiting for that shoe to fall. So that'll be the next story that happens. All right, here's a question for you. What school is way behind in NIL that surprised you? That you thought, I was like, when when all this stuff came out, you're like, oh, they're going to be on top of it, and they're way behind.
2: LSU. Um, LSU. You know, have the – they have the resources. I think they have the booster groups. Um, they don't have again. They don't have what Texas and and a has, but but nobody does. But they have enough to get together. They have enough passionate boosters, and they they have read their state law pretty conservatively. Um, and it's changing. And it might change or have changed this week. You know, by the time this publishes, and it it, it it will say it will be amended to say. Schools basically, schools can have involvement. You see the the laws changing in Missouri, Tennessee, Mississippi. Uh, they all change to basically say schools can have more involvement. Uh, you'll see uh, Louisiana is doing the same. And that Louisiana LSU people say is what stopped them from starting basically a collective. So they've read it really conservatively that it stopped them, you know, from from forming a collective. But they are way behind. They are, and we wrote in that big NIL story a few weeks ago about Gordon McKernan. He's a lawyer in Baton Rouge in uh, LSU grad and all that, and, and big alum. And and he is the only one basically, you know, participating in NIL with the team um, because they don't have a collective. So that's one that's really far behind. I think early on uh, Alabama was, was far behind or certainly behind A&M more than they wanted to be uh, behind some others, um, I think that, that was a so product,
1: yeah. too. Alabama was probably a product of, uh, you know, quarterbacks are going to get all the money anyway. Um, besides, of, I mean, for the majority, you know, the other ones are still getting mm-hmm. money, but um, big money. And Bryce already having his own deals and, and not feeling the need to go get money for a guy that's getting – I mean, he's making a gazillion dollars to start with. Um, you think LSU is a little bit of the same deal you talked about earlier? where they just had won a national championship a year ago or two years ago now. Do you think that's a product of it?
2: Maybe, yeah, you know what? Also, it could be a product of is, you know, is a place that, again, not like the A and M's in Texas, is where they have a hundred plus. They got a few million people, dollar, yeah. million dollar type donors. LSU might have fifteen or twenty. Um, right. and those people had to pay seventeen million dollars to buy out Ed Orgeron, had to pay or had to get funds together to pay Brian Kelly and his new staff. Kim Mulkey is the highest, I think, makes the most money of any women's basketball coach in the nation outside of Gino Ariema, They gave her women's basketball. They gave her a a huge contract. They hired a new basketball coach because of dismissing Will Wade.
1: New baseball coach.
2: They just, yeah, they hired a new baseball coach and they just renovated the football facility. I mean, that's a lot of money. All this stuff this stuff piles up. I mean, it's a lot of money. And so I wonder if they went to them, went to boosters, whatever, and said, Wait, we got to give more money. Like we got to give more money, and it's going to who? Wait, the players. Hold on. Wait a right. second. You know. And I think that's part in a lot of places. That's part of what happened.
1: Yep. That's why I always go back to you and I have talked about it. I think federal legislation. We look. I mean, the Pac-12 of all people. I think I saw this the other day, and it had maybe in you retweet or something. I saw the other day is Pac-12 got nineteen was it twenty million dollars? Nineteen twenty million dollars back from from you know mm-hmm. to divide amongst the conference why don't they take that money you're getting every year? I think they could take that money and, and put some kind of employment contract for student athletes to do that um, and then let them get whatever they want to on top and do away with the stuff. But that makes too much sense because they don't want to give away their money either. That's what it's killing me. I was like, well, I mean, it is what it is. But all right, what is the craziest NIL story you've heard? Anything crazy?
2: Well, I mentioned it earlier, right? Some things with Lane told me about how kids haven't haven't uh, talked to the head coach and signed with the team, or haven't visited the campus and signed with the team because of you know they were basically the highest bidder, the highest NIL bidder. So those things were wild. Um, I think of a specific like story, and I, I wrote about it in that in that story a few weeks ago. But there was two SEC, two SEC Western Division teams. Um, and one team had an in-state prospect, a five-star in-state prospect committed for months. And the other SEC West team came in and offered more and IO money. Plain and simple. And the kid went back to his in-state team that he had been committed to and said, okay, like you gotta give me, you gotta give me more money. And uh they they didn't or they couldn't. And that was that. Kid went to uh the team that offered more money and in went out of state.
1: Um, you know, you so there's that, that down to like two schools, right? By doing that. Yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> so anyway, it's either so, Auburn, Alabama or it's Ole Miss, Mississippi state. And I know, no, no,
2: no, 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 no. It, it was, it was an out of state. Oh, well, out of state. Okay. Yeah. Well, okay, it was, I'm sorry. It,
1: there was an out of state
2: SC West team that yeah came into the in-state SEC West. Team. Okay. All right. Um, but, but, uh, you know, another story, and it wasn't, it didn't get as specific with me um, on like what, even what conference it was, but I assume it was the SEC based on the story. But um, <laughs> is that one kid was promised a, a, like a $500,000 deal, not a year, but it was a full deal, totally it was right. for about $500,000 in IL NIL deal. And the another team came in and said, we'll give you 600000 And not only that, but you can fly – You can. your family can fly privately to all home games. That was it. They're done and and went back. So uh, went back and went to the school that's going to fly his family and give him $100,000 more. So those things are happening. That's a pretty good deal. Uh, are they deal, happening no. at all 130 FBS schools? No. Are they happening at all Power 5? No. But they're happening in the top 10 to 15 to 20, and a lot of those reside in one conference. That's a pretty good a
1: deal. You know that? It's a good deal. Seems like a great deal. It's a great yeah. deal. Nicholas like Ayer deal. should get involved in some of that. We got Nicholas Ayer here in Oxford. They should get involved in some of <laughs> that stuff, right? Let I mean, we just bring him eh? back? Yeah, yeah. yeah. it be good. Uh, <laughs> yeah. but uh, all right, so I'm with you. The only thing I've heard uh and it's not crazy, but the thing that's killing me is like what's going on now, which is gonna bring me uh our good friend Jordan Addison decides he he's gonna he's gonna commit to, to USC. Which he was a little guilty of this as well, but these, these prospects are taking visits, and you're gonna see a ton of this starting about right now going to uh through you know June and everything else. They're taking visits to other schools to up their NIL price. Yeah. Yeah. To force and their hand.
2: I'll, That's going on. I'll I'll mention it again, um, this is a great a great quote from Lane Kiffin about this exact thing. Um in in the Q and A I did with him, uh, Happen, it happened happened to it,
1: a, Ole Miss got, ha, it happened to Ole Miss. Yeah. go
2: ahead. I was gonna read it word for word because it's it's uh, it's great. But Elaine was talking about um, a quarterback. Every, yeah, Ev. Well, he was talking about every year. Um, why? Okay, he was comparing it to the NFL. And if if NFL players didn't have a contract, if they weren't bound to a team. Every year, would an NFL player not like be in the free agency pool and and not be recruited by other NFL teams and not wanting to drive his cost up? Of of course they would, yeah. right? And he said he can he can see this happening more and more, and now I've finally gotten to it. So he said he said let's be realistic in pro sports. If you are the agent of a player and the player can opt in a free agency every year and come back to where the previous you know, school was or team after testing the waters and driving the price up. Why would you not do that? Right. And he said, Why did Bryce Young not go into the portal this year? If you're advising Bryce Young, why did you not tell him to go into the portal and then walk into Nick Saban's office and say, Hey, I want to be here, but I've got to protect myself. So I'm going into the portal and I want to come back here as long as you match the offer. And Lane said that on the record to me. And, and I think he, he thinks that that will. Happen more and more, and that's already happening. It's just not getting probably a lot of public attention, but it's certainly already happening.
1: One hundred percent, kids are going to get smarter, Um and one hundred percent do that. And I think that's what we have here with the little Jordan Addison case. And look, I don't hate the players for this either. Like, look at Jordan Addison. This is this is we were discussing this in our meeting this morning. Do you know this is a fact? Jordan Addison is going to get paid more this year. Then George Pickens is going to get playing for the Steelers. <laughs> now, I, want you, I want you to think about that. I mean, does anybody God. else see? I mean, what are we doing? I mean, he is a good player, okay, and he's probably going to be a first round pick because he's going to get playing touches. But he's not like a slam dunk top five kind of pick. He right. he is he's he's going to get probably overdrafted because of his production. But if you if you had right now, if George Pickens is hundred percent healthy. And Jordan Addison is 100% healthy. Who are you taking?
2: Yeah, I mean, it's who are you taking? It's, yeah, it's, it's not that hard
1: of a decision. Um, All right, who are you taking? Pickens. Okay, so we got a guy that's so. going to play college football right. at USC that's going to get paid mm. more money than George Pickens is going to get paid to play for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Yeah. That's yep. insane to me. Yeah, yep. And this it, has been – we're yeah. not even a year into this deal, Ross.
2: I know. But I know. We're going to be
1: talking about a year from now. Well, right, and the prices are just going to keep
2: on. Like, keep going going up. going up, and up. And I, I was talking to a recruiting director, um, at an SEC school, and uh, I said, uh, and I anonymously quoted him in that story a few weeks ago. But it's like, okay, so what? What has changed from the previous, you know, cheating that happened in the SEC for years now? What has changed now? What is how does NIL changed? And, and he said, well. When a kid would come to us and say, Hey, we're getting, you know, you know, in the past, fifty thousand, seventy-five thousand from this school, you usually be like, Ah, that sounds like bullshit, or well, I don't know if that's really true, or now you knew who was paying
1: it and who didn't. I can, right, can say now
2: that. it's like, Oh, not only is he getting fifty, seventy five thousand, he's getting a hundred thousand or two hundred thousand or whatever. You know, it the price has gone up. And it sounds like more people are doing it, so um that that has been seems like the big change in what n i l has done is drive up the price of what was once a, the legal payments and having more more schools get involved in doing that um so the market continues to rise. I mean, what about the you know Ruiz's guy, the Miami basketball player, four hundred thousand dollars a year for a college basketball player? who is good, but I mean, like,
1: what are we doing? You know, it's crazy. Yeah, I don't know. You know I've mean, never watched the guy play, so I couldn't tell you if he's good
2: or not. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's, it's just wild. And then, you know, again, the return on investment. And I was on the phone with Ruiz for that story a few weeks ago. And it's like, are you seeing the return on investment? And, and his, his, he, his response was the return on the investment. And you'll remember he tweeted, right. The announcement of that, kansas Correct. state basketball transfer coming and he tweeted the deal too, the the details of the deal in the same tweet um announcing he's transferring well that he, he when i asked about a return on investment he used that tweet he said it had it immediately made five million impressions uh, which means it reached five million people and he said there you go there's my return on investment that's what he said
1: well, he's not lying yeah i mean yeah. The guy's intelligent and smart, and like I said, I don't. I, I like what he's doing, and uh, which probably leads me to my next question because I probably know the answer to this one. What what team do you think's been dormant that because the NIL is supposed to come back to life?
2: That's been dormant. That's about to yeah, like break out. Well, yeah, and we, we, we that remember I mentioned the collective rankings, right? The top eight of the top ten collectives. Um,
1: yeah, but some of them are better are, than others. Who, who, but with the yeah. talent they're collecting. Who, in your opinion, you're going to go? That's I mean, it's hard not habits. to
2: say a And M, right? It's hard not to say like like a And M. I mean, they they just signed the best class ever uh, on paper. Yeah, been,
1: you know, people. Somebody was giving them hell. I saw a tweet. Somebody was giving them hell that they just now started signing all these guys. They've been recruiting well for a while.
2: Now. They have. They've been like I don't know well. where that yeah. stat
1: or yeah. whatever that came from. Like this, and they yeah. made it sound like. Am hasn't been recruiting well, then all of a sudden they have. That, right. That's not accurate. No, They've been right. recruiting well for a long time. They just yeah. got better. So they were if already You talking elite about?
2: Team. You're talking about a team that? Okay, you're talking about maybe, you know, not an elite team, not you in see the blue like blood. Tennessee. Yeah, uh, right. Tennessee uh, would uh, be Miami. the one. So I was, I was thinking Tennessee or Nebraska or maybe Miami, Nebraska. Right? yeah. Yeah, those teams. Like you could see those teams partly because of nil. Right. Kind of rising back up. Like I said, they have the passionate, uh, desperate kind of donors um, and fans who who want to see come the team come back, you know, um, or want to see the team going to get into that blue blood group. So those those teams strike me, you know, as um, I don't know that people would put Tennessee in, in the the, the group of elite top 10 college football blue bloods. They're probably right outside the group. And I think they would probably emerge the way they're doing in IO. They would probably get into that group, you know, and Miami might be another one. Uh, you know, people might put them in the blue blood group, but they haven't won consistently for a yeah, long time. And yeah, Nebraska is the same way, 25 years. And, you know, so they, yeah. I could see them as well. And let's not forget. And it's, it's been only 10 years for this team, but um, you know, USC, I mean, as well, right They're They're, I think they're probably coming back and using the NIL very well. As you mentioned, they just got Addison. So uh, I think they're using it uh, uh, better than others.
1: I heard it was 3.2. That was what I
2: got. Uh, you know, I don't know what to believe with some of these numbers. Um, I, neither. I, yeah, I mean like, and that's the one I, that's the one lately I immediately kind of questioned like, because it's uh, not a quarterback. Yeah, it's like what 3.2? And I'll tell you, I was talking to a coach who I think would know because he was in the running and he said it was more like 800,000, which struck me as really what? Wow, I know because those two things are not close, right? <laughs> like 3 <laughs> no, really. million and 800,000. So, I some of these things I really I, I just I've really questioned some of the the numbers that are coming out. Um, maybe that's some what we should shop. do, maybe
1: that should help. Maybe that's something we can do to help nils make all the contracts public.
2: Well, that would that would help in the yeah, transparent offering transparency. transparency the, and I, Ross we'll, Bjork we'll I asked the, about that we'll right, uh, last week, and you know they they cited the the privacy law, right? Uh, like you normally would. Like, beep college athletics has cited for a while. Uh,
1: and that's why. Private I that's why I always come back. It's going to take something federal, look, you to make a compromise, to make things work, people are going to have to give up on things. You can't have everything. And it's just yeah. like the players I, and I'm for you. Look, I am for you getting paid. I don't want to make any like any confusion about that. But you can't have everything. No organization on the planet you can't get everything. You have, there has to be a compromise. You have to give some schools the power. You have to, there has to be a compromise. So somebody's going to have to give up something. Okay. You can't have just damn everything. I mean, nothing. And it's just, that's the only way it's going to work. And and so somebody somewhere, there has, that's why we say there has to be a federal law. There's going to have to be things given up that, hey, you can't, can't let that back in the tube. Well, something's going to have to go back in the tube. It don't, Mm -hmm. not everything, but to compromise, something's going to have to go back in. You're not just going to be able to out here just down run free-ass rain. And anybody that thinks you can't, that's the other thing that bothers me. Anybody that thinks that you're just going to be able to continue to do this shit and everything's going to be hunky-dory, you've lost your fucking mind. Yeah. You have. Excuse my language. My mom's going to be so pissed. All right, but you've lost your mind that you're just going to be able to keep doing this and everything's going to be hunky-dory. All of my boosters are going to keep giving me $10 million a year. That's not going to happen. Like right. something's got to give. You can't do this forever. and Well-
2: Whatever. And I think Lane, one of the things Lane said to me was, um, if if it is going to persist and continue like this, well, number one, you'll have the giving stop to the athletic department in the facility. There'll be a Facts. pause on facilities for sure. Facts. You know, and you were already seeing that. We're already seeing have kind of a pause on, on facilities. Um, number two, you'll have, if like Ruiz is probably a good example, big, big boosters, like basically individually not collective but individually bankrolling kind of a team so to speak you'll have Owners. them influential like Owners. a team owner and and lane has um quite a perspective on on yes, a team does. owner calling him up and saying <laughs> yes, you should does. play this guy more and then getting fired yeah uh, yes so he he uh, over and on an overhead projector as he told me um uh, so yeah you you'll uh awesome you'll have that, that. you'll have those two things if it continues you'll have team owner type influence and in, Playing decisions, and you'll have um, boosters start to you know stop giving money to athletic departments. And what happens when boosters stop giving money to athletic departments? One, as we talked about, facility stops. But you know what else is impacted? Olympic sports. Olympic sports is impacted, and that's where it comes in, uh, where the non-revenue sports that lose two, three, four million dollars a year to rely we rely on donor contributions to go a lot of that to those sports. They're going to be impacted. Outside of the top 15 schools in the nation, schools break even or lose money. or the athletic departments break even or lose money. And that's what a lot of lawmakers don't understand up here in D.C. is, man, like outside of the top 15 to 20, they break even or lose money. And when you pull money from an athletic department and give more resources to football, give more donations to football, it is going to impact the non-revenue.
1: All right, let's talk about that. Let's get off NIL. I know we—it's like a damn saga. I know you're probably tired of talking about it too. Are you ready to start covering something else? By the way,
2: uh, yeah, yeah, I, I am, I am. I was writing about SEC, uh, football schedules, and I'm like, ooh, this is fun. I'm doing something that's, <laughs> yeah, not not yeah. having to talk to lawyers. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So yeah. Anything.
1: All right, let's talk about the scholarship numbers expanding in uh, equivalency sports. So we've talked about it a couple of weeks ago now with, ba- you know, baseball. It's 11.7, maybe going up to 35, things like that. How do you see that turning out? Um, yeah. What happens I, to a Southern – what happens to Southern Miss? What happens to Monroe? What happens to – like Southern Miss, like they're going – they're an elite baseball team. Right. Are they going to be able to continue to be an elite baseball team? It depends on their conference,
2: right? All these decisions now, this is part of the Alston ruling, all the decisions from the NCAA that normally was made from, by all the you know committees made up of Division One leaders at 350 schools that aren't homogenous at all. They're all very different, have different financial backings. The decisions on scholarships and restrictions and stuff and limitations and all this – were made by committees of all those groups of 350 colleges and schools. And they're made in a, in a vein to try to get competitive equity, to try to arrive at competitive equity. And it's just failing. And the big schools basically with the money are, have been handcuffed. And they want more power. And the Alston ruling means that the NCA needs to have less power. So all these decisions are coming down to the conference level. So the conferences will decide how much partial scholarship uh, will they give how much scholarships? Will they give and in, uh, how many coaches can be on a coaching staff? Um, and they still have this have all thing those... called
1: Title Nine. That's that's not going they on. do. They still and Title Nine will be the
2: regulator. That's going to be you give ten more scholarships for baseball. You got to give ten more scholarships to a women's sport as well. So that'll actually be that'll give it regulation in some way. But it's going to be interesting to see what different conferences do because conferences, you know, the SEC is very different from the MAC. The MAC very different from um, the West Coast. Uh, we well, have Atlantic some Conference. teams
1: too. There's going to be a ton of sports being added, okay? Because you, you got some some schools. I think, and you can correct me if I'm wrong. Maybe you have looked into this. I haven't, but I I think Ole Miss is like at the minimum sport that you can do. Sixteen, so if I you, think, is the minimum. Well, I can guarantee you, across the street, in the baseball field, they're they're going to add. They're going to get to thirty-five scholarships. Okay, mm-hmm. so when they do that, they're going to have to add a female sport they'll so, have to add
2: or they'll have to just add scholarships to like women's track or football. Right, But you remember football takes up
1: 85 of them already. So when it you does. add those right. cuz the right. female sports that are equivalents or whatever that don't get fulls, they're already getting more anyway. So when you yeah. you start maxing those guys out,
2: mm-hmm. you're going to
1: have to create another sport. Right? There's yeah. No other way it, it, to it might be
2: Matt, that that might be the case. You're right. That There's going to be women's there's going to be a
1: gymnastics team and a bowling mm-hmm. team and a swimming team coming soon, I I imagine. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. Hey, by the way, my wife can be the gymnastics coach. Just thought I'd throw that out there. Um, But no, just all kidding aside, you're going to have these. And then, how does you know? You know, there's going to be some schools that have been that are going to say, "Hey, no, we're just going to keep doing 11.7 or whatever it is," and. Then you're oh, yeah. going to screw your whole league. You're going to basically take the competitive edge around. I mean, it's just I don't know, man. It's just well, we, we've taken a simple sport and a simple organization, and in the process, like ten months, screwed it up amongst all oblivion without having a plan.
2: Well, and that's that's what's going to just create widen the gap already. Right, we've seen the gaps widen between in Division One. We know that there are gaps between FCS in the non-football playing schools. We see the gap between FBS and FCS. We see the gap between Power 5 and Group of Five. Now what we're seeing is a gap between within the Power 5. Yep. And there is a, probably a top 10, 20 or so. And then there's kind of everybody else. And you're going to see that gap probably widen because of NIL, but also because of these concepts from the transformation committee we're talking about. It's just going to widen the gap because you're going to have, because the conferences can't collude and get together and set on a specific scholarship whatever limitation they can't collude um they'll be sued so they got to do it on their own and you're going to see the sec which has a lot more money than the pac-12 and and pours more money into resource baseball and stuff like that maybe go 25 baseball scholarships maybe the pac-12 says we're only going to 16 you know and it's just going to widen the gap in recruiting and widen the gap between all this so we're look the end of the road here is we're ahead towards some kind of professionalized model of of college football, you know, that is is gonna have maybe collective bargaining and revenue sharing and whatever else. And it's gonna include, you know, 20 teams, 40 teams, 60 teams, whatever. But it's not gonna be that many as we
1: have now. I agree. It's gonna be NFL junior. The USFL yeah. is in trouble. All right, last thing, I want to finish up on this. Uh, you've been so generous for your time, but something that kind of came because of the NIL and all the Jimbo stuff and Nick stuff it kind of got overshadowed, but the eliminating, elimination of the, not the NILs, but the NLIs, mm-hmm. elimination of the 25 uh, initials that each school gets each year and just saying, hey, we're going straight to 85 scholarships. you got to maintain 85 scholarships. Um, and it's kind of funny to me, you're gonna have now. You're, you're gonna have, you know, in in NIL, you got the people who don't have money, are are bitching about the people who do have money, mm-hmm. and so now in this, so now you're gonna flip this script on this on this rule. You're gonna have schools that love the portal. They're gonna love the 85 people that have been doing it the traditional way and building from up within. said, hey, that's bullcrap. You know, we've been doing it the right way, so it's just what what's your pros and cons what's your gut what's your feeling on going just to eighty five
2: well yeah you i um i think well i guess first you know why we're why they're doing this and it's because um you know the eighty five the twenty five was put in uh to uh kind of restrain as you know the the um uh, blue shirts, cutting of gray players, shirts, basically, yeah. and all the blue, yeah, blue shirt, gray shirt stuff as well, right? Cutting out, over signing, basically. Um, and, it, it, and you could do that. You could do 25, 25, 25, 25. That's 100 scholarships. And that gives you wiggle room of 15 to get to the, to stay at the 85. But,
1: but that was five years before. Of 125. Or five. And that's true. And that, here's the thing yeah. the public needs yeah. to understand. You got five years of eligibility. So it's, you're looking at 125 kids to stay 85. That's hard enough to begin with. Right. Okay, right. but there's an no art to it. It's not you can't. Right. You had to take guys that you knew are what we call program guys—guys guys that are going to be there, be there. And so right. to keep your roster numbers up. But go ahead. Right,
2: right. You got to have a good mixture of those. Right, um, and what just what's happened is that 85 and that 25 and all that—the 25 specifically wasn't taken into account. Account the attrition, the high rate of attrition that we see now in teams because of two things: the NFL. Leaving early for the NFL more than ever, right? And then mainly transfers, right? The one time transfer exception. Because just, they count as you're having two and so much. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. The so the same kid so, was counting twice. Yeah. And so you have teams that are trying to that are having difficulty getting back to the eighty five getting to the eighty five. Heck, some of these teams can't get to the seventy-five. They're having trouble getting the seventy five because they're losing. You know, say you said, you know I I was talking to a coach and he he signed twenty-two. At the, class, in the in the signing period, he left three thinking he'll get transfers over the summer. Then he had like six players leave after spring practice. Well, that's he's going to be down three. Then do the math. He's going to be down three. And that's been happening over the years where we where, where where teams can't get back to 80, 85 or so. So that's why we're here. So it's going to be good. You know, coaches can now catch up in a way, especially first year, early year, second year coaches that kind of took out took over a team. that's. Kind of in mayhem and a lot of people have left um, down numbers like Kansas for instance and they're like at 70 or something so it's gonna help teams kind of catch up back to the 85 or at least get them into the high 70s 80 um, so it's gonna do that but as you mentioned right it's it's gonna also probably lead to the cutting of of players' the pushing out the door and nudging out the door of players so already they're going to the transfer portal on their own and now they might be nudged into the transfer portal for better players that a team could sign from the transfer portal. So you're, you're going to have that. I'm um, I'm certain you're going to have that. And that's a fear among a lot of coaches. There's fear among the, 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 the group of five coaches that the mid to lower power five are coming down to pluck their players out uh, after maybe pushing off, you know, their own players then you have the mid to low power five coaches that are scared about the upper power five coaches coming down to them and picking, you know, it's like this farm system and and we already see it happening when you can, when you can push out a player, it's going to happen more.
1: Pete, I'm so, I think this is one of the, and they, they did say they did it for, you know, a two year period or whatever they said for them And maybe, look, I don't want to give the NCAA that much credit and think they're that smart you know, maybe they're trying to fix, okay, look, we're going to give you two years to get your roster right. And then we're going to put in these stipulations. Maybe they're going to do that. I don't know. I'm not, that's what they should do. This is going to be a freaking disaster. Okay. I mean, this is going to create, and I understand it. Okay. Everybody's like, well, you know, it's a safety issue. Timeout. This is not a this is not a transfer portal problem. This is an immediate eligibility out of the portal problem. yeah the transfer portal right. is not a bad idea. yeah, a transfer portal, basically, just for the fans that know, but when the transfer portal came out in October of eighteen, the whole you you still were technically you had to sit out a year, and the reason the portal was put in place was to keep schools from going. Okay, you can transfer here, 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 here and here, but you can't transfer here. Schools used to be able right. to do that. They would put a restriction where you could not transfer somewhere. All right. So that portal did away with that. It also did away with the fact that they could go to somebody else, a third party, and say that they wanted to leave. They didn't have to go to the coach. Um, which I'm okay with. But kids make emotional decisions. They need to talk about it. Because I personally, if a kid didn't want to play for me, I don't want you here. If you don't want to be here, I don't want you here. And most yeah. coaches are like that. Um, but also don't want you, you know, because you don't, you know, you had the heart, you, the kids, they don't fight through adversity anymore. They get a problem, they're gone. Um, but that's neither here nor there. But here's the problem this is going to create. One, you just said it, which was Todd Berry's already brought this up. Now kids are going to get cut on ability because they have no penalty for cutting kids. So if you stink, you're getting cut. And when you get cut, now I'm going to go, what if I took a portal kid? That stinks. You know what I'm fisting to mm-hmm. do? I'm fisting. going to cut you. Well, now mm-hmm. I've just lost my one-time transfer and now you get put in the portal. So now the kids are going to call foul and they're going to start suing. Here come the lawsuits. All right? Yep. I, it blows my mind. We're sitting here scared to death of lawsuits and you just created one. That's going to happen. Yeah. And it's going to happen th- it's going to happen in January or December when a kid gets cut. You watch. It's going to happen. This year it will happen. And but they don't yep. have the no foresight to see that. That bothers
2: unlimited them. time transfer. Yeah, that's going to lead to, too. Yeah, going, that's what you're actual, exactly
1: right. That's what it's going to come to because to. the NCAA, a kid's going to log her up, and they're going to be like, oh, I don't want any part of that. Go ahead and go. Go ahead and go. And now there's going to be precedent in every Kid, here it's just going to be a snowball effect. All yeah. right, that's problem one. Problem two is this: is nobody has yet to answer this. All right, if you're a college coach Ross, and you have to win this year, and you got 27 scholarships, and with no penalty, who are you going to get in your 27 scholarships?
2: Yeah. You, you got to win this year. You're going to go to that portal and get as many experienced people you can put right on the field as that soon as correct. you can, you know, or you're going to play or you're going to, re- you know, you're going to um, recruit them off of each other's teams. How the there great example go. of this, right. Would would be like, um, say, you know, Brian Harson at Auburn, right. We know that he seems to be not in a comfortable position. Um, So why would he not just, Go to the best group of five or lower-level Power Five players and try to get them and sign fifteen or twenty of them and amass this this team of of somewhat all stars. You know, let's
1: say you I think mean, the yeah, tampering that was that was problem too. You think the tampering is yeah. bad now? Yeah. You just yeah. created tampering on steroids. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, what's the key? Yep. Why wouldn't I'm with you? Why wouldn't you go and just basically? Every single team. All right, we're playing. Who does Auburn play? Let's see who, who Auburn plays. You did their schedule. You remember who Auburn plays early in the season, non-conference? Uh,
2: dang it, no, I don't. I don't. Uh, I don't remember. All right, um, here we go.
1: Who they have? Well, that's not the right one. I pulled up vivid seats. <laughs> all right, so let's say they play. All right, they play San Jose State and Mercer. All right, San Jose State's got a kick-ass tight end. All right, he just he just goes about 110 on your team. You win the game, walk across the field and say, hey, look, when the season's mm-hmm. over with, holler at me, i got a spot for you.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: That's yep. going to happen. I know that already mm-hmm. happens, by the way, but that's really going to happen now. Yeah, um, You're creating tampering, and, and why wouldn't you? So that, that screws the group of five schools, okay? So they're going to get rated even more than normal. But here's the question that nobody's answered for me yet, Ross. What happens when those portal guys run out? Because there's no high school players coming. There's not. They're, they're they're not as many high school kids getting signed. What happens when the when the supply runs out?
2: Yeah. Well, um, that's the problem, right? That, that's a real concern. You know, um, high school coaches I know are in a situation where they're they're concerned about the adverse impact on um, high school recruitment, and I know that you know some of the like the expansion of the twenty five or the elimination of it was supposed to be partly to help maybe high school like recruiting uh that was one of the in- incentives and it is uh, yeah yeah and I, I mean i i think a little bit yeah i mean so i don't know i i um i i think there is real concern about about what's going to happen to high school recruiting and there's real concern about players quickly going into the portal and kind of getting stuck there and it's happened quite a bit. And I think the NC just released a lot of numbers about portal data. And, and uh, uh, you know, one of them really struck me. It was it was something like a third or I can't remember what the number was, maybe around a third scholarship players who went in the portal, came out of the portal to a new team as a walk on. You know, they they didn't have any scholarship spots. So
1: now this will it, open man. up spots probably in a way. But I think uh, I've gotten three, to what you're saying, I, I think I've probably got three um, DMs on mm-hmm. you know Twitter of a kid I recruited that I was still following or whatever many years ago mm-hmm. uh, from three different kids that are in the portal from their school and have nowhere to go. I got one, There's one kid that's like six hours short of graduation, and the other school, once you go in the portal, they're done with you. He has no way to pay for it, so he's just have to go get a job to go finish his six hours so he can graduate and be a normal, I mean, he's six hours short of graduation. It's sad. Nobody wants to talk about that. And I just, it just really is probably the most disturbing thing is of all this. And I know I've taken up plenty of your time. It's just how we've, we keep adjusting rules and we keep doing things that are taking us further and further away from a good solution than instead of making rules that are bringing us closer to something that's acceptable, you know, instead of compromising and coming to some kind of solution that will work, we keep making rules and doing things that are taking us further and further away from it. Does that make sense? I mean, we just, it
2: does. And it's partly because, and I've described this in the story, like college sports, specifically college football is just kind of stuck in purgatory. Uh, It's like stuck into this, this purgatory between, amateurism on one side and professionalism on the other. And they're like in this middle and they're being pulled by professionalism. It seems like it pulled further away from amateurism and they don't want to take that full leap. And I understand why I mean, they don't want to take the full leap into professionalism, but it's getting there like incrementally, it's going to get there. Um, And like we talked about earlier, and because it, it won't take the full leap, you have all these little, Legislative issues being passed and these new rules and stuff to try to kind of like open the door a little bit to like a professional model, but not too much, you know, and that's where it is. That's the problem. And there's a whole other problem here. We get into like college, big money, college football and college basketball being a part of the higher education system is just it's it's never going to work. It's it's not it's not going to work. It's and, and I think we're seeing that tension there as well.
1: And no doubt, well, Ross. I appreciate the hell out of you, brother. I've taken up a ton of your time this morning. Uh, on Twitter, make sure you follow Ross at Ross Dellinger on Twitter. And like I said, if you're if you're a college football fan at all, check out his stuff. He he is, uh, in my opinion, and of course, that I buy you a cup of coffee next time you come through Anniston, Alabama. But uh, the best college football writer there is out there right now. Um, just tells it like it is. Keeps things on the real. Um, and really appreciate you for what you're doing for the business and, and keep fighting the good fight, brother. You're up there in DC. Maybe we can get you, maybe we can get you getting some laws passed up there, man.
2: Oh yeah, really? Yeah. They'll listen to me. I, I've sat into enough Senate hearings to, uh, to not want to sit through anymore. So, um, didn't get into that. Didn't, didn't, uh, didn't get into sports, sports writing to, uh, to sit in inside of a, uh, you know, damp, cold, you know, Senate meeting room. But <laughs> There you go. I find myself in them a lot. But thanks for having me, man. It was good, good to uh, good to be on. You bet, brother.
1: Are you having a hard time finding the vehicle you want? Make sure you call my friends at Cooper Chevrolet Buick in Anniston, Alabama at 256-236-4481. They will get you taken care of in today's market. It's very difficult to get the vehicle that you want. Call them today. They're going to get you set up, get it delivered to you, the whole nine yards. Call my friends at Cooper Chevrolet at 256-236-4481. I want to thank Ross for stopping by. He was just a uh, great guest. I enjoyed that conversation. Uh, probably one of my favorite ones I've had so far. Um, the guy that really gets it and talks to a ton of people in the business. Uh, so make sure you check him out too. Just a great read. Um, if you like, enjoy sports articles. Uh, he is kind of the the man to be listened to right now when it comes to NIL and NCAA rule changes. Hey, make sure you follow us on Home Visit Siski on Twitter, uh, on YouTube, our YouTube page. Follow us there. And more importantly, tell your friends, okay? Make sure you tell your friends a good college football listen. Uh, we're getting closer and closer to the season, which I can't wait for. Uh, I know you guys can't either. Make sure you subscribe. Give us our three-star review because you love it so much. And until next time, take care.
4: Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding
2: a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.